you know, at the time I felt like it was the end of the world. The company didn't pay me some of the money they owed. It was 20 something thousand dollars and, and that hurt and that stung. I thought the world was coming to an end. And, and my dad actually, you know, if credit him, he came to me and he said, this is going to be the cheapest learning experience you'll ever had. And I'm like, yeah, right. This is expensive. He goes, no, this will be the cheapest learning experience you ever had. And, and I look back and it's like 100% it changed the future way of, of my leadership. Thanks for listening to uh, Vail Media's Now You Know podcast. This is a show where we highlight and interview our local influencers, leaders, neighbors, all of that. And it's all in the hopes to impact uh, you as an individual or our communities at large. Um, my name is Will Kinney Kinney. And uh, honestly, we're just trying to make content that's valuable for our, our Utah community. I feel pretty confident um, today that uh, we'll check that box um, because we have a pretty sweet guest. Um, you you might recognize my guest from uh, a recent uh, news story that went viral. Uh, he's also a successful entrepreneur that recently exited uh, his company. He's a family man, and he's actually a good buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy Nevis. Jeremy, thanks uh, for coming on the show, man. Absolutely, brother. I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I, before, I, I want to... So, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through your journey as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that offline, um, but I, before we kind of go into your background and, and where you came up and where you're from, I wanted to take maybe a quick snapshot of where we're at today, where you're at, um, and and uh, I mentioned this earlier, just just barely in, in the intro, but you you've exited your company mm-hmm. uh, just recently within the last year, and I feel like for a lot of up and coming entrepreneurs and, and kids hustling, trying to uh, climb this mountain called business. It seems like that's one of the summits that, that we're all, or one of the goals that everybody's trying to get to is like, I want to I have an idea, I want to start it, I want to grow it and expand, and, and then I want to make a successful exit. You've done that, um, and, uh, and I, and I, I want to highlight that first because that's kind of maybe where the conversation hmm. will, will end up going. Um, was business uh, was business something that you always wanted to get into when you were younger, or absolutely? So you know, I had a I had a dad who was an entrepreneur. Um, funny enough, he was always like, "Go to school, get an education. You don't want this stress in your life." You know, it's like work never stops. Right. It starts in the morning and goes until you go to sleep. Um, but yeah, as a young kid, um, I was fortunate to have parents that that taught me good work ethic. You know, I grew up in in uh, middle class. I'd say maybe even upper middle class. Uh, community and had a lot of successful people as neighbors and 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 all around me there was kids that would have new cars when they turned 16 and they had the dirt bikes as little kids and they right. did different things and 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 I always desired those things um, and I come to mom and dad and they'd be like well get a job you know get a job you want that go get that and so um, you know at the time I kind of like kicked against my parents like why can't you be like the other parents in the neighborhood right. but but I, I I look back now and it's the thing I'm most grateful for so. They taught me that at a very young age, and, and uh, you know, if, if I were to look back, I had odds and ends jobs all growing up, but, you know, newspaper route, I think I was 10 years old, um, probably more work for my parents to drive me around or send me out on my bike for, for the closer ones, but, you know, all growing up, I, I just had this desire, you know, to, to, it was things that I wanted to accomplish, and that was the vehicle, being an entrepreneur, and so I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time, it was just earning money to have the thing or yep. to do to do the thing or have the experience with my friends and take the and girl out take the girl out at that when that stage came like yeah. that was the thing so yeah did you uh did you did you when you were in high school did you know that you're like when when I when I'm 
when I'm coming up to being an adult, I'm going to be, I want to own my own business or where if, if your dad pushed, you know what I mean, typical or traditional education, um, were you already scheming in your mind or was, were you just kind of going with the flow at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, in high school, uh, I think is when I started realizing like, man, I'm not, um, you know, all growing up, I had these thoughts and beliefs like, man, I'm not as smart as the other kids. You know, mm-hmm. I was comparing, I find out now, like a lot of kids thought, thought these different ways, but I was like, I thought I was the only one who just didn't know the answers to the questions right. that were asked and things like that. So, so by default, it was like, I don't know what college I'm going to get into. I don't know what I want to study. I don't know. I, I mean, you put doctor, lawyer, those, you know, those professions up. I'm like, Oh no, you got to memorize too much. You got to know too much. Like that's not for me. Cause I was not a scholar student. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, in high school it was like, you know, I'll, I'll figure something out. And, uh, I think I, I started to realize the sales skills that I had Yeah, and that was kind of the path I was, I was set on. But at the end of the day, I was like, I know I'm, I'm not going to go be some, you know, doctorate in anything. Um, maybe not even masters. I'm going to get into college, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure out business. Was there any kind of doubt? Like, and I bring that up to you because I wonder if there's, there's a kid in high school right now who's listening and, and, um, and maybe that resonates with them. Like, dude, I don't know the answers. I know that that did for me. Like, uh, there was, there's certainly the kids that just math was a genetic thing passed down from their ancestors. <laughs> and so they just know it or whatever. And and so like there were times where I, I felt like for me, a lot of my confidence came. I was just a social dude. I was like, dude, I don't, I might not be the smartest guy, but I know I I can make friends with pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I'm just going to bank on that later in life yeah. <laughs> because I'm not like, you know what I mean? Open a textbook. You know what I mean? I'm the one of those guys that reads a page and then ends up rereading it like four or five times because I realized that I just read the whole thing without, you mean comprehending what was going on? So I'm wondering, you know what I mean? Was there, was there any kind of doubt in, in uh, your, you mean, developing adolescence, teenage years mm-hmm. where you're just like, you mean, what, you mean, how am I, how am I going to deal with this? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And by the way, that like reading pages over and over and not knowing what you read, that's called ADD, Will. Yep, yep. If you haven't been diagnosed yet, you should get diagnosed. <laughs> I, I'm self-diagnosed because <laughs> I, my buddy sent me this list and there's like 20 things if you have four of these, then, then, uh, you probably have, oh, yeah. I had 18 of the 20. I was like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. 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 You got it. <laughs> and, and it's funny. I, in high school, I didn't get diagnosed with it. It wasn't until actually the first year I started, uh, started my business, um, that I actually went in and got, got diagnosed for it. And it was like, oh wow, this, there's a whole different world out here when you can focus. Right. right. But back to your question. Yes. Um, I doubted, I had a lot of doubt. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, uh, and I felt like, and probably these young listeners, like they, they've got the people in their circles that they just know they've known since grade school, like exactly what it is that they're going to do, you know, from elementary school, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that everyone in my family is this, or this is where I'm going to go. Or, or the, even the entrepreneurs, like I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You don't need to know. And, and, and people told me that and I was like, yeah, that's just what you're saying to make me feel good. But like, truly you don't need to know, like enjoy life, live life, take advantage of, of the phase that you're in right now and do the best that you can. And just know that like, focus on what it is that you're, you know, you're passionate about and what, what gets you excited and and what you have fun with and, and more and more will reveal itself. As a young kid, you don't need to know that stuff. It's crazy because that's what you, you hear people say that as a little kid, you'll, you'll, it'll make sense when you get older or you'll know when you get older and, and, um. And you mean that's one of those things that you mean I I maybe spent more time that I than I should have. I mean focusing on what I couldn't do rather than you mean pursuing something that I I knew I was good at. So mm-hmm. you eventually graduate high school. You uh, 
uh, not long after you uh, decide to start a company, and I and I didn't mention this earlier. Your company was is Excite, yep. um, and it was a door to door satellite uh, sales company. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that How did that idea come? come yeah, about? so I actually I, I served a two year mission from a church. Great. Came home in two thousand eight, and I started working with uh, another company doing door to door. I had a brother in law. Uh, who was doing it, and he he invited me out, and I was like, hey, I've been knocking doors, you know, door-to-door for a couple of years, not right. getting paid. What's a couple more months trying to figure out if I can do it and get paid? And, yep. and uh, you know, day one, he, he did a little bit of classroom study with me. Then he took me out on the doors, and he showed me how he did it. And we did, you know, he did a couple sales, and I was like, okay, I got this. He's like, you think you could do it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, you knock the next door, and I'll watch. And I knocked a door with him, and he watched, and I just was not refined like he was. And so... I was super uncomfortable and I was worried about what he was thinking. And as soon as we finished that door, which I totally just fell flat on my face, we're walking away and I'm like, hey, can I do the next door by myself? But but can you go on the other side of the street? And he's like, well, you don't want my help. I was like, no, I'm way more nervous about you listening to me than what these people, they don't know whether I'm doing it right or wrong or whatever. I'll figure it out. And he left me alone the rest of the day. And uh, I ended up coming back to him at the night and I had four sales. And he looked it over, and I had messed up on every single one of them. I had no idea. I was just doing the best that I could. And so I ended up going back to those houses and explaining things that I had missed. And, and three of the four canceled. I got one, and I was like, okay, great. This is, this is awesome. I'm sold. Like, I, I believe in this. So door-to-door, I, 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 first day I fell in love with it. I saw the opportunity, and, and it was like the sky's the limit. You know, Growing up, all the different jobs that I had as a busboy or a cook or construction or whatever else, like you were kind of capped at a certain level and, and you couldn't get to this next level without years of time and whatever else. And so, um, so when this happened, I was like, wow, really? Like if I put in more work, there's more I could have. And, and, and I slowly grew, I came into the company. I was like, what's next? Like, how do you become a manager? Like, well, if, to be a manager, you have to recruit X amount of guys. You got to sell X amount of accounts and then you become manager. I'm like, oh, cool. So I recruited X amount of guys and got X amount of sales. And then it's like, what's next? Like, well, to be a regional manager, you have to have X amount of managers, right, X amount right, of sales right. guys, everything else. And I just grew within the company. And um, from June of 08 or July of 08 until um, May of 2009, I had recruited um, some solid guys who helped also recruit a lot more guys. And we had five managers and 60 sales reps. And, and set out for our first summer program uh, with this satellite company uh, selling TV, internet, and phone products. And, um, and uh, it was their first year doing a program outside the state, and it was my first year doing a summer program, and I was a regional manager, which is pretty backwards. You right, don't hear right, about right. that very often. So um, as you can imagine, the summer was not very smooth. We started with 60 people. We finished with 12, and it felt like an epic failure. Uh, we were getting eviction notices on our doors for rent, um, and the company, the company kind of, you know, got the train a little bit ahead of the train tracks and it, and it came to a screeching halt. So, um, you know, when, when that year came to an end, I felt kind of bitter, like, oh man, they didn't take care of us. That was my young mind, not understanding what all it took. And uh, a few years later, after I had started my own company, I realized, okay, um, I was at fault. You know, there was a lot of responsibility there and, and just, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, that was, that was the end of 2009 and, and came home from that summer and just said, I see the opportunity. However, I recruited friends, family, cousins, and I put my name on the line and I didn't have control over the outcome completely. And so the, the natural move for me was to go start my own company doing the same thing. So left that company, started, started Excite in, in 2009 and, 
And uh, with the idea that, hey, we're going to grow slow, we're going to learn this, we're going to make sure that we can bring on our, we'd bring on our own family members to make sure that they'd have a good experience. And, and, and that was, uh, the rest was history. So did you work with family immediately in 2009 when you started? No, no I w- weren't ready for it. Didn't feel like, didn't feel like we could bring, you know, um, you know, we were learning. So first year it was like me and, and my brother-in-law started the company. Um, so I guess family was there, but the two of us, you know, kind of partnered in this thing together. And then we brought on uh, a couple friends um, a few months later, uh, a couple recruits a few months later, and we just growed really slow. The first year, I think there was three or four reps, me and him out knocking doors, and we did about a thousand accounts. And uh, that's what we could handle that first year. And then and then we just continue to grow every year over year after that. Dude, I remember when, when we first met, not a few years after, and we'll probably get to that a little bit later, you, you told me the story, and I've remembered it ever since. Didn't you knock on doors? Typically, like in a door-to-door model, which I think a lot of people in Utah might be familiar with, it's uh, you have your sales reps, they go out, and then you have another team that's your install team. Um, you guys were doing everything, right? You would, you would, you would sell... And then install yourself same day or something. So we did we did everything. So yeah, this the first office we had was actually an apartment complex. We were in an apartment, a spare bedroom. We had all of our inventory in there. We would go out. Um, we would actually go out. We'd sell the account. Then we would order the inventory, and then we were the customer service. You know, in a different voice. Hi, thanks for calling into Excite. You know, um, and then we were we were routing everything. We were running payroll. We were doing everything. Um, we had, we had hired an installer cause there was a little more certification and everything else for that. We hired an installer, but we, we'd order the inventory after we'd meet the technician. We'd get him, you know, assigned his, his inventory. He'd do the installation. We'd do the follow-up. We do the customer service payroll, every other, every other hat you could in the company. So, um, yeah, we, we were committed to growing it slowly and, and learning every aspect that we could. What, what's your mindset during this time? Is it cause I think anyone who reads that on paper can put together that that's kind of a chaotic you mean summer or, or whatever, are you in your mind thinking, what did I get myself into? Or is this Zen for you? Are you, you're like, this is uh, this is where I belong. R- running every different aspect. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was like, Hey, I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to do all of this. Right. At the end of the day, I'm committed to do whatever it takes to make sure that we, we get this thing figured out and we do it right. Cause we just couldn't afford it. And, yeah. and we also needed to learn the other aspects of the business to feel comfortable to pass it off to someone else. That was, that was really like my mind, mindset was, Hey, if I don't even know how this is supposed to be done, how can I hand it off to somebody else? And, and, and then measure that they're doing a good job or not. I'm wondering, because if this is 2009, um, Utah, it seems like to me, and, and even more specifically, Utah County has kind of uh, m- made its mark as the unofficial hub of door-to-door companies, mm-hmm. I think, um, at, at least in my personal opinion. And, uh, 100%. And, and, and 2009, I feel like is, you know, right in the middle of this emergence of, of all these door-to-door companies. Um, were you or are you actively thinking because I'm uh, what what I'm actually thinking about is I forgot the guy's name but the guy that started Five Guys Burgers and Fries hmm. I was listening to an interview that he did and uh, and he talked about how um, the world didn't need another burger joint mm-hmm. but uh, but he 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 was able to you know put his foot in the in the door and and create a and establish a brand. Are, are you thinking of that too? I, I, I feel like sometimes um, a young entrepreneur might be thinking like, oh, well, that person already has a podcast and it's kind of similar or this person's already started a similar business. 
and uh, it, it's kind of too hot. I feel like I'm too late. I mean, is that is that on your mind, or are you just like no uh, action? No, action, none, action. none of that. I mean, <clears throat> and and some of that's just by default of the fact that I'm just a young punk, 22 year old kid, right. and I think anything is possible. You know, uh, we're we're not looking around at a competition. We're not recognizing what else is out there. Um, you know, and as an entrepreneur, you just don't know what you don't know, yeah. right? So there's part of it was ignorance. Um, the other part of it was like just not caring. You know, just it was it was like hey. This is the path. I see the opportunity, and um, and what do I have to lose? You know, what do I have to lose? I'm I'm going to learn, so I'm going to get started, and I'm going to figure it out. And and then as different things come, then you learn and you kind of adapt and, and move forward. But that was just the way that it, that was just the way that I thought at that time. And looking back, I'm grateful for it. Right? Yeah. You know, the the 33 year old me goes, man, there's a lot more that I think about when I consider starting a business, doing business with people, or how I'm going to go, when I'm going to go, what the market looks like, and you know, all the things you're taught as you kind of grow up, but not knowing, you know, really is a, is, is an advantage yep. because all of these other things you, you stress about and worry about just don't get in your way. And it gives you time to just kind of figure that stuff out. I, uh, Reed Hoffman, uh, said starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and then trying to build an airplane and then flying it. And, and I think it, it, a lot of times you, you don't, you don't have a manual, just figure mm-hmm. it out. You like, I, I sold, I sold this door. Let's, let's just get it. I don't know what happened. We just got to get it done. And I think that's, uh, if you think like that, I think you're, you, you might, you might be an entrepreneur, uh, you might be an entrepreneur at spirit. Mm -hmm. And so moving on, I think, uh, you, you, uh, did you see growth in your business really quickly year over year or? So yeah, every year, every year over the previous year we grew every, so for 10 straight, 10 straight years we grew. Uh, the earlier years was a lot smaller, right? Um, year one over, uh, you know, we, I guess smaller in, 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 in perspective, but we probably only grew about 20%. When you're a really small company, that's not yeah. huge, right? <laughs> 20 to 50%. And then the next year we grew probably another 20 to 50%. And then we started growing, you know, by a hundred percent and then another hundred percent. And the numbers started to compound from there. But, but really, um, I'm a sales minded guy, entrepreneurial vision, focus, forward, focus, not looking back and, uh, and, and growth excites me. At the same time, I had that really hard experience of like going out and growing too fast and realized how too many sales can be a big problem. Mm -hmm. And so from day one, it was like, let's make sure that we have enough train tracks to support the train that's coming. And the tracks got to always be a couple feet ahead of the train. And so, um, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, myself and others had to restrain me at times because I'm like, let's just go. (laughs) It's like, do you not remember? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Let's, let's. Let's make sure we're ready to go before we go. I, I think that's a perfect segue into kind of another point that I want to cover. You uh, you started Excite um, with your brother-in-law, and then mm-hmm. I think eventually you took on another partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are um, and your philosophy is behind you know, I mean, get, using partners um, to start a business. I, I think uh, for for maybe a, someone who's thinking of, who has an idea to make the next best ice cream cone or something um, – and you mean you have different options. I can bootstrap this by myself. Um, I can take on some partners if you're fortunate enough and have uh, maybe you might be able to take on some capital from angels or, or otherwise. But uh, you decided to go the, the route at least early on with with partnering. Um, what's your philosophy behind that and how, how did that play out for you? Um, as, as a business owner. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, starting the company, I started it with my brother-in-law, the two of us co-founders went in and, and began the company together. Um, and then 
Um, and then a few years later, probably two, three years or two, two years in, we brought on a, another partner. Um, he had literal and figurative, uh, gray hair in the business, <laughs> uh, experience there that, that was necessary. We had grown and we had realized we didn't know what we didn't know. And so there was some, some added value to that. Um, and legitimacy as well to, to young guys, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And we, we had huge ambition, um, excuse me. And, um, uh, and then we also, we ended up buying out my brother-in-law, you know, we just, um, which is, which is a perfect example of this. Like for me, I truly believe, um, in having partners. Um, I believe everyone has partners in business, whether they're a solopreneur or not, you right. don't make it alone. Right. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing that I disagree with more than the term self-made. Mm-hmm. Nobody is self-made. Um, I get the, I get the sentiment. And I get what's being said there. And I understand that and respect when somebody doesn't come from money and everything else. And they, they start and they bootstrap and they figure it out. Absolutely. understand what they're saying at the same time. Nobody gets where they where success is defined for them or others without other people. And so whether you're doing it by yourself or not, um, the people around you are the reason why you are successful. And, and so for me, it was always, Hey, look, I know, I, you know, I know I don't know what I don't know. And I know there's other people out there that have strengths and skill sets that I don't. And so for me, it was always an automatic, I don't want to do this alone. I don't need all the glory and I don't need all the pain and all the stress on my own. I want somebody to, I want somebody to get in the, the trenches with me. And then I also want to celebrate with somebody. Neither of those do I want to do alone. And, and that was easy and natural for me. Um, uh, and at the same time, partnership is hard. It is really hard. It's, it's like a marriage. You spend more time with your business partner than you probably do with your spouse hours wise and time wise. And you get to know each other really, really, really well. And so, you know, the advice I'd give is, as it comes to partnership is, 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 uh, is to think of it like a marriage and make sure, um, make sure that you trust. Um, the most important thing is to be trustable and to have trust with the person that you're, you're in business with. You've got to be able to trust each other. You got to be able to have the hard conversations. Everybody can say all the good stuff and the vision and the rah, rah, but you got to be able to, you got to get, be able to call them out. You know, when you see things that you don't agree with, you got to be able to, you got to be able to discuss the vision and make sure that you stay in integrity with, with what you value and, and that they value the same things. Um, but, um, you know, as, as I, you know, had two partner, you know, one partner or two partners throughout the entire business, uh, throughout the entire 10 years, I felt like I had hundreds because my employees, especially in the door to door space, mm-hmm. you're, you're door to door, you're an independent contractor. You know, we had W2 employees as well, but you know, at our peak, we had 400 employees. Some were independent contractors, some were, were W2, but they're partners, and we treated them like partners because we were in this together. Our success depended on their success and, and vice versa. And so we truly tried to come from that place. I think the old way of running business was like fear-driven, you know, dictatorship. And, and you got this leader who's the owner of the company or owners of a company and everybody else underneath them worked for them. And I can't, you know, I could probably count on my hands a few times on my, my hands when I said this person works for me. Um, but the, the most of the time it was, I work with this person, we work together. Um, and, uh, and, and that's just the way that I believe that it was like the people that work with you are your partners. Your success is dependent on their success and vice versa. You, you truly are in it together. What, uh, you, it sounds like you've developed even as a, with your leadership skills too. What, what, what if, how, if you compare and contrast to your, you as a entrepreneur and leader of. You mean a handful of guys versus at the peak four hundred guys? Um, what did what 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 did you learn uh, as a leader? Oh, 
a number of things. And, and, and just, just as we're, we're speaking there, you, you remember like I'm 22 years old when I started the company and it's like, Hey, let's just run fast. At the same time, the whole reason behind starting the company was I need to make sure it's a good experience for the people that I work with because I had a bad experience and the people underneath me had a bad experience. And so I did start with that advantage. You know, at the time I felt like it was the end of the world. The company didn't pay me some of the money they owed. It was 20 something thousand dollars. And, and that hurt and that stung. And I thought the world was coming to an end. And, and my dad actually, you know, I credit him. He came to me and he said, this is going to be the cheapest learning experience you'll ever had. And I'm like, yeah, right. This is expensive. He goes, no, this will be the cheapest learning experience you ever had. And, and I look back and it's like 100%, it changed the future way of, of my leadership, the way I treated people, the way I saw them as partners, the way that I, I felt a commitment to, to honor, uh, regardless of, of the way things played out. I uh, can't tell you how many times I took care of somebody that, you know, maybe didn't keep their end of the agreement, but I, I knew that I made an agreement and I needed to keep it because I knew what that felt like on the other end. Um, and, and over the years, you know, from, from, you know, a small group of people, uh, loyalty was absolutely key for me. Um, loyalty was huge, um, because those five people, they, they put faith and trust in me. Uh, when I, you know, at the, the early ages, early, early age in business, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I knew enough, but not everything. And, and, right. and they trusted me and they came with me when they, at the same time in the Mecca of door to door had many other options yeah. and, uh, they, they put their trust in me. And so, um, loyalty was absolutely huge and crucial leadership for me. Um, and then, uh, that never left as we, as we grew and, and got more and more people. It was about being loyal. It was keeping commitments. It was leading by example. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest thing that grew over time that I learned was how important communication was as a leader, um, that you had clear, direct, concise, um, agreements, verbal and, and, and on, on paper and that you communicated better. And that was the lesson that I think I learned and strengthened throughout every year in business because um, you learn from experience. You, you learn that like people's memory, uh, what's the saying? You know, the, the faintest pencil is stronger than the, the clearest memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, communication was absolutely key and, and that grew and grew as, as a leader over the 10 years. Solid, man. You mentioned, um, and I'm wondering, um, you mentioned your dad uh, kind of supporting you through this. What, what was your support system like in, in terms of, you know what I mean, uh, family and, and close friends? Um, and were there any doubters, you mean, that kind of turned into believers? Or uh, what, what did that look like, you know what I mean, uh, from a yeah. home perspective? Yeah, yeah. So, so when I jumped in and when I started everything else, um, I think the best way to explain it is like my parents is like, oh, yeah, here he goes again. Like absolute confidence. Like he'll figure it out. You know, he'll, he'll learn, he'll do, he'll, he'll, he'll be okay. Right. Um, cause I did that as a young kid and I did that growing up. It was kind of just the, um, the get after it. Right. As we started to grow and, and, and there was people that were like, Oh yeah, good luck. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I didn't see it. I was ignorant to it. I was like, you know, it didn't feel like haters. Like today I see it, I recognize it, whatever. But at that time I was just like, oh, these guys just don't get it. Like they're missing out or yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll figure it out. You know, like what do I have to lose? At the same time, like I'm 22, I'm not married. You know, my, my expenses on a year are, are nothing. And, and in my mind, it's like, I know how to sell. So I can sell my way out of every single problem, right? right? So um, I, I don't feel like it was bad at that phase. But once I got, you know, a couple of years in and it's like, wait, we have a legitimate business. We're doing a few million dollars a year. Like this is not some backyard newspaper window cleaning company that I'd had growing up. This is like, this is a legitimate business. Yep. And, and I think that's when people were like, 
do you know what you're doing? Do you, you know, uh, how, how are you, you know, are you, are you going to make any big mistakes? There was, you know, and there was advice there that, that came in and, and, uh, I think that helped support leading to bringing on another partner that had a little bit more experience in, in business and everything. Cool. Um, but yeah, I, I would say all in all my family from day one and, and throughout my entire life have always been very supportive, cheering me on, um, you know, obviously asking questions and, 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 challenging like making sure that i had my ducks ducks in a row but at the same time like go go get it like you'll figure it out that's solid man and so then so you you uh you the company from 2009 to 10 years yeah is is how long you ran Mm -hmm. um when you when you look back at it now what do you think was the hardest part um of running uh, of running your company from start to finish yeah um it people yeah, <laughs> both on the customer side and... and yeah, <laughs> it's people, right? Um, uh, and, and you can control what you can control, and you can't control what you can't control. Super important. Um, thing that I love the most is people. I love working with people. It's also the most challenging thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why communication became such a huge learning experience for me. But yeah, st- starting out, it's like convincing people to take the, take the chance and come and work with us, recruiting people. We, ha- we always had two customers, you know, as the people that worked with us and the people that we provided the service or product to, nice. right? And we always went about it that way. And, and both can be, bring major, major headaches. Um, you know, bringing people in, especially in the door-to-door industry, what you'll find is um, in the Mecca here in Utah, it's not as bad outside the state. That's why it's kind of growing, recruiting from Utah or going out of the state. So you got people that are really entitled. They've had a little bit of success and mm-hmm. they, they expect the world and they come in and, and that creates a little bit of a culture of the dog, the tail wagging the dog, right. which is not good for anyone in the business. And so, you know, learning how to, to work with different egos and different, you know, entitlement and different people um, to speak their language and to, you know, to be uh, aligned with where we're going and where's best for them. Um, that was a great challenge that we ran into over and over and over. And then customers um, learning, you know, what they want, what they don't want. Um, you know, we always called, uh, you know, running the business basically professional hurt, uh, cat herders. Yeah. We're, we're just herding cats. You yeah. got, you know, 18 to 30 year old uh, people running around the country and we got housing in multiple different States and you got different regulations in different States and you got people knocking on doors, going in people's houses. Like there's a lot of risks to that. Right. And, yeah. and you're herding cats. So there's, there's all sorts of different experiences and things and challenges that we ran into with people, but it was also the most fulfilling part of business as well. I'm wondering, um, what your thoughts are on moving past fear, right? It, and on, on all aspects, because mm-hmm. you know I mean, I don't. It, it seems like there's something scary, no matter what. In the beginning, it's just starting. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a huge percentage of people who've had million dollar ideas that never move past the idea because because they're scared. But then even once you're for for the listeners that already have a business and they're already running, you know what I mean? There's um, there, there could be the fear of, you know what I mean, managing X amount of people. You mean growing at a, at a, at a rate that you can control. Um, and then and this could even segue into uh, your exit, but I, I know that you had wrote a piece online about how even exiting had a, you know I mean, there was something scary about, you know what I mean, being, watching this thing grow and, and, and exiting a company. So uh, just generally your thoughts on fear and, uh, and coping with it and, and moving past it. Uh, as an individual or business owner? Yeah. Look, fear, fear exists. Fear is real. And, and fear drives and motivates most people. It's usually the force that drives. Um, and that's okay. 
Uh, it's just, is it working for you or is it, is it not working? Um, is it working against you? And so, um, for me, um, I think it's so important that people get clear on what it is that they want in life. What do you want? Um, you know, fear is going to come either way, but if you're focusing on the opposite, what you don't want, Mm -hmm. then the fear has you, it's working against you. It's not working for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, it's like, get really, really clear on what it is that you want in life. Not what your parents want for you, not what your friends would not want, not what you think everybody else in society wants for you or who you should be or where you should go. Get clear on what it is that you want in life. And the more clear you are, and there's been phases where I was clear on it and there was phases where I wasn't clear on what I wanted. Um, but, but when you know what it is that you want, you know what your purpose is, you know where you want to go, that being strong enough and big enough will help you overcome fear. Um, Fear is the only thing that gets smaller the closer you get to it. So look at it. If you're afraid of something, look at That's it. That's an Instagram quote right there, man. Right there. <laughs> Write that down. I already forgot what I said. But yeah, what is it that you like? What is it that you want? And then go towards that thing. Look at it. Ask yourself the question: like, what is it that I'm afraid of? And look at it and go, okay. Is it really that bad? Well, what, what if this happens? Yeah, what if it happens? Okay, well, then this would happen. Well, then what would happen from that? And go down that rabbit hole and go, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. I'm still breathing. Oh, and guess what? I'm closer to what I want. And so, so the key is knowing what it is that you want instead of focusing on what you don't want. So if you focus on what you don't want, you, you have more of that. Where energy goes, uh, where focus goes, energy flows. Um, and so for me, it's um, once you know what it is that you want, take a step, take a step. You've looked at it. Take a step at that fear towards in the direction of your vision. And, and, and what's crazy is people are like, I really just don't know how you don't need to know how all you have to know is, is what, and you have to start and more and more will be revealed to you of how. So if you're worried about having, Oh crap, what if I did grow big enough and I Mm. had this many people to lead? I, I mean, until you said it, like, that's not a fear that, that I was thinking beforehand, but had I thought that early on, I'm sure there's all these insecurities that would come up. Like, who am I to think I could lead this many people? I'm 22 years old. I'm hiring people older than me. I I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I don't know. I mean, you could go down this like major, like tailspin and it's like, um, it's like, Oh man, how, how would I, how would I accomplish that? Well, if you just start, more and more comes. And, and what happens is like, you don't go from zero to a hundred really quick. You go from zero to one to two, and then you start to go, Oh, I got confidence. I can do this. Right. And I don't have to do this alone. Back to the partnership thing. If there's a fear and it re- requires not knowing something or doing something, here's the self-talk I had. Okay. I'll figure it out. And figuring it out doesn't mean I have to do it. Yep. It means I can find somebody else who knows how to do this. And I'm not too prideful to say, I don't know, or I'm not capable of this thing. And I'm willing to open that up to somebody else who is. And so that's the fun thing about business. You just gotta, you just gotta have the idea, the dream, the vision, and you gotta have a, a strong enough desire and start. And guess what? The bigger the vision is, the bigger the desire that you have, the more support that shows up. It's crazy. The bigger it is, more people go, I want to be a part of that. I want to help them get that. They're not thinking about what they get from it. They're thinking about like supporting that because it's inspiring to them. So it's really cool to see that, that come online as I've, as I've grown up in business and as I surrounded myself with, with people that have big visions. I, I, I want to talk about that in, in a little bit about um, who, who you're surrounding yourself. I know that you have um, a, really, a really neat circle of of big vision fellows that you run with. And so we'll, we'll get to that. I want, but before I want to maybe, um, talk about 
your uh, just the last piece on on your business with Excite. How did you know it was time to exit your company, and and what what uh, what all goes into that emotionally, and and everything else? Yeah. So um, you know that that's a that's an interesting business we're in, right? We're in door to door. We're selling telecommunications products, internet, phone, TV products. We don't own the products. We're a dealer for you know the bigger brands, Direct TV, AT and T, and um, and so it comes with its own challenges. Um, in that business, um, your value is in, in, the, in the creation of ac- uh, customer acquisition. So it's acquiring customers. And we did it over and over and over and over again. Um, three years prior to, to exiting in 2019, we had um, our first offer to buy the company. And we looked at it and it was like, okay, yeah, this is great. This is exciting. Somebody wants us. It makes us feel important. And, you know, people talk about the exiting and how great that is. And, and so, like, it got us, it got us intrigued. We ended, up, uh, we ended up turning it down. And then the next year, another offer came. And that happened for, for three years. There was, there was offered deals uh, for us to entertain each year. Um, but based on the growth that we were having, um, it didn't make sense. Based on the multiple we'd get and the growth we were having and everything else. Um, at the same time, I was, I was maybe burnt out. Um, I was maybe um, burnt out is accurate. I was, I was definitely burnt out. Um, there was also maybe some boredom. There wasn't as much excitement or drive for it. A lot of that came from the incongruence between our partnership with the brands that we represented and, and the culture that we held inside of our company. Um, they weren't as, they weren't as aligned and, and it was putting us in a place where we had to kind of hold a certain relationship with them and then still try and hold our ground with our people when we weren't in full control of everything. And, uh, it, it left us thinking like, man, um, I want to be in a business that we have control of, right? And so I started to explore and vet different opportunities to diversify. And what you find is, look, you don't have, we're not in control. We need to surrender. Like, even at the, you know, if you want to go to the highest level, like God's in control, like the universe, like there's, there's laws that are there to support or, um, or to hinder, depending on the way that you show up. But, right. but in the business, um, in the business, there was just things that we didn't like. And so we had to face those things. And, um, uh, I would say that we were making too much money to be okay with diversifying. So just kind of this, our own golden handcuffs. Yep. Um, but, but the, the last year in business, we really started looking at like, what do I want most? And I, and I had some, you know, unique experiences outside of business, uh, working on something, uh, in the nonprofit world that was super passionate for me. And it made me kind of wake up and go, I, I want to do something more meaningful, more impactful, and money is not going to be the driving factor. And so we really put a focus on diversifying what that thing was. And then an opportunity came where, um, you know, our, our brand partners had a desire to consolidate in the space. And, um, and uh, we had an opportunity to, to fight that or to, to, to lean into it. And we chose to lean into it and, and, and worked out a, worked out an exit that was favorable for us and favorable for the others. And, and we were able to move on. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think people can oversell it as like, man, that's the dream. Go start a business, go build it, then exit, and then sell off into the sunset. It's like, look, I'm, uh, I've never been more depressed or discouraged or sad or whatever else than, than I was a few months after, even though I had great things going. Because it was like I, I every day had something that I was working towards. You know, there was, there was some hard parts like transitioning out. And I've talked to a f- number of people now that have exited businesses. And it's like, dude, it's a real thing. Your identity gets wrapped up in it and, and you're driven and your purpose and you're passionate about. And then all of a sudden it's over. And it's not like 
anyone at 33 is going to retire. You right. know, even if you can, it's like, I've got way too much energy and, and sitting at home all day is not fun for me. Like, I love my family and I want to have freedom and spend time with them. But like, I also need something else, you know, that I'm, that I'm passionate about that I'm working towards. So there's two sides of that coin. I'm, I'm wondering, would you, would you, uh, would you recommend, cause, um, would you recommend to, to a, a young entrepreneur who's, who's, who's up and coming, uh, to, to be more mindful of kind of their why or, cause it seems like kind of like, uh, just in my observation. So there, I have no metrics or studies sure. behind this. Right. But it seems like in my eyes, um, you, you hit these phases in business, there's the grind phase and there's the kind of perfect your process and expand. And then, and then at that point you can have, you have a bunch of different options. You can keep it as a cash cow or, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of different exit strategies that, that you could pursue, but it seems like always in, in this later phase, you know, what I mean, kind of uh, a retrospective, uh, you know, what I mean, outlook kind of takes over. And it's like, you know what I mean, it sounds like this nonprofit thing, which I think I know what you're talking about, um, really impacted you. Would you recommend that a young entrepreneur always keeps keeps that in mind, kind of keeps uh, um, because like you mentioned, sometimes. Well, you, obviously, you get married to to your business, and it, and it becomes a part of your identity, as you mentioned. Um, I'm wondering, do you, do you recommend to be mindful of kind of the the deeper your purpose or or your why behind it, or do you just say build it and then and then we'll worry about it later? Yeah, as a exited entrepreneur yeah. now, always um, get clear on what your why is. You know, why, why are you doing this? Why are you what? Why is this important to you? What's your vision? Where are you going? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? Um, knowing those things, getting very, very clear on that. It's, like it's knowing what you want, right? Um, and also knowing that that can change. Like yep. that was different when I started the business, the next year in business, and then the next year in business. And you don't have to know everything, you don't have to know what it's going to look like at the end. You don't have to know this is when I exit. This is what I do. But you, you want to get clear on like, what is that? What does that look like? When we started the business, it was like, we want to start a business. We want to provide jobs for people. We want to grow this. We see the opportunity um, and we want to generate X amount of revenues. You know, we, we put certain goals like that in place. And then we said, and we're open to what that exit looks like, whether it's selling the business, right. whether it's replacing myself and my day-to-day -day activities, whether it's um, sitting on the board, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, merging with somebody else um, or building it for a certain period of time and then changing, changing past. It, it, it was a very much a cash cow upfront business um, with a residual piece on the back end, nice. which had some value. But at the end of the day, we were generating the revenue yearly upfront, uh, primarily in the business. And so it gave us a lot of options and, and that was part of our vision and part of our why was like to have options. Um, but once I started to lose the, the passion and the, the, the energy towards it and towards the partnership with, with our vendors and things like that, um, the why changed and the why, the why adapted and that's okay. I think what happens is that sometimes people go, well, no, this is what I originally set out to do and now I got to stay committed to that. And then they're, you know, they're unhappy and you don't have to be. Just like you don't have to be unhappy in a marriage, you don't have to be unhappy in your business. Right. And so for me, that was that, that would be my advice. It's like get clear on what that is, but also know it can change and uh and, and be willing to change with it. That's a nugget, man. That's a nugget. I I uh I, I appreciate you for sharing that. I want to go back to um what we kind of mentioned before. 
um, now as a as a successful entrepreneur, or at least uh, maybe the community at large would, would deem you that. I, I know you're a pretty humble dude, but um, you've you've surrounded yourself with some with uh, as you mentioned earlier, people that also have big visions and um, and specifically what I'm talking about is uh, on social media you, you're you're pretty active and and I, and you have um, a lot of really good friends. Uh, that have um, accomplished similar things to yourself, and uh, and so naturally that I I feel like that that gets eyes right or mm-hmm. or followers or whatever. Yeah, um, it's like okay, what are they doing? What water are they drinking? And um and and, and something that I've noticed just and this is just a question uh, to you and you can kind of give some insight on this. Um, you and and your and your group of friends who it's a pretty successful group at uh, throughout social media timelines and feeds or whatever have all at different times, um, as I've observed, uh, have talked about how important their friends are. And mm. if you have a project, you have this group of friends that will come up and, and, and they'll all show up and, and they'll, everyone will post, I love my friends. We good friends support good friends. Or, um, maybe it's uh, another one of your buddies and they have, um, some kind of benefit dinner or something. And it's similar. Everyone shows up and this is what we do because friends are friends are, the quality of you mean mm-hmm. good friends are are good friends. Uh, talk a little bit more about your philosophy behind you mean this uh, this group of guys that you guys run with and and uh, and why why your guys' friendship is so strong and why you guys uh, emphasize it um, publicly. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So first and foremost, for me, um, you know, I have this belief that it's it's less about what you do and it's more about who you are, and and that's been a hundred percent true as it comes to friends. Um, I feel like. You know, it wasn't, uh, it hasn't always been true throughout my life. I've always had great friends. Um, I've also had a lot of not great friends. Um, and I, and, and as that's come into focus and as I've looked back and learned from this, it's like, who are the people? Like, who are they? Like, what type of person are they? What are their beliefs? What are their values? What's important to them? And, uh, and the great friends that you have in life are the ones who align with those values. And, and what I'd say about our friends, you know, you see the support and everything else is like, they're all supportive dudes. That's just who they are. They, they, they care deeply. They're kind, they're generous, and they care about people. And, and naturally they care a lot about their friends. They want, they want their friends to win. They want to support them. They have huge hearts. Um, I would say generosity is one of the, one of the things that has brought all of us together. Um, doing things for other people, serving causes. You know, some of my greatest friends are people that I've met through nonprofit work um, that we're all passionate about. And, um, and so, uh, you know, throughout uh, or with our friendship, um, we all believe in supporting each other. Um, we're all on different paths and in different businesses and, and do some stuff together. But, but at the end of the day, when somebody is either struggling or thriving, we're there to support them. And, uh, you know, it's funny if you, you hang out with the, the group of friends, we're not talking about business the whole time. We'll have business talks and things like that, but we're talking about how are your kids doing? How's your, how's your, you know, relationship with your spouse? Well, what, what are you struggling with? You know, and, and we're talking about stuff that matters deep, you know, uh, deep conversations about what really, really matters in life. And, uh, and, and then we show up for each other. Um, we, we take joy in doing that. It's not just a social media thing. It's like, we really want to be there and support each other, uh, in the highs and in the lows. I think that's one of the biggest myths, um, about success or successful people, right? It, I feel like, uh, some, some, sometimes we're geared to think that, 
um, successful people are, this is mine, stay away, this is my corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at least what I've seen is it's a very community, family-like oh, yeah. feeling. Like in, And, and uh, hey, Jeremy, I have this idea. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm, I'm keeping this idea to myself because if I tell Jeremy my business idea, he's going to steal it. It's a success, at least on that level, the community um, is very much that, a community. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeremy or Will has this idea. Um, why don't I connect you to so-and-so? He did something similar. And there's no, um, it's not as, um, you know, cornered as, as, as maybe one might think you know, coming up. Like, and uh, and, I, and I've, I've noticed that about success and specifically your group of friends in, in um, dude, we're, we're here, we're here for each other. Yeah. It's abundance, right? And, and it truly, truly is just abundance. Like the belief that there is more than enough. There's always enough. There's more than enough. There's no scarcity here. There's no fear of missing out. There's no fear of, you know, your success takes away from my success. Like success breeds success. And it's, it's magical. Uh, it's magical when you have friends that you don't have this belief that you need to dim your light to make other people feel comfortable. Yep. It's like, let your light shine as bright as you can because it inspires other people and it raises, it raises the bar and you help each other level up. And that's the thing I'm most grateful for, for the, for the group of friends that I have. I hope that that's something that resonates with everyone that listens. Cause I think, um, you know, our communities, uh, really can be impacted by this, you know I mean? Just kind of switching this way, uh, switching your mindset into kind of, I mean, let's, let's all grow together. I, I'm, mm. I, I'm, I'm really sucky at this, but I'm good at this. Let me help you out. Or, and so, uh, I, I just think that's worth emphasizing, um, here just because I, that's something that I, I believe I want to move on to, um, uh, maybe the, we can start to start to wrap up, but I, before we start to wrap up, I wanted to cover, um, some, uh, some things that, that, uh, the, of course the news story that was mentioned at the beginning. Um, but, uh, you, you made a purchase this last February, correct? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's a, it's a coveted, uh, possession that I feel like a lot <laughs> of the, the little, the little kid in, in a lot of people, um, actually share this same, the same, like when I get big and when I, when I make it, I want a Lamborghini and, and, uh, and that's actually a purchase and a dream that you were able to, uh, make a reality in February, but it was, it was, it seemed, um, you wrote a piece on this online. Uh, you wrote a little bit about it online. Um, it was, it was, it was deeper than just, I'm going to get a fast car and drive around and, and, uh, you know what I mean? Do, do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there was more, uh, depth to it. Do you, do you mind speaking to that? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, young 12 year old, 14 year old kid, you start listing out like, what do I want? Like, what do I want? What are my dreams? You know, you see a fast car and you add it to the list. Right. It's like, I want a sports car. I want an exotic car. I want a Lamborghini and, um, Lamborghini, Ferrari, you name it. Like I, I was always enamored by these fast cars, um, motorcycles, boats, you know, to- all the toys, like those were all these things that I really, really excuse me, wanted when I was a young kid. And so, um, uh, all growing up, that was kind of on there. And, and as I got into the business world, I started setting goals. And as I did my goal setting, I'd, I'd set out these targets, like when I do this, then I will do this. And, um, and for the last, you know, few years, um, at least, you know, four or five years, I've been in a position where I could have bought that car. And every time it came up of like, I need to hit this benchmark, then I'll do it. I found a reason to push the benchmark further out. 
And I felt like that served me and drove me not just with the car, but with multiple different areas of my life. I would, I would set this bar and I'd drive and then I'd get there and then I'd go, oh, I'm going to push it a little further. And it would drive me to keep going instead of like stopping, enjoying it, rewarding myself, and then using that fuel to go to the next level. Um, I didn't celebrate. It was always like future focused, forward facing vision. Um, and, and I need these things to keep pushing me. Um, and then about a couple years ago, um, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I need to do this. Um, and then it started changing to, I started letting certain things come in, but, but this was one that I kept pushing off because it was, you know, what are people going to think? It was kind of the dimming your light type thing. Like, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or then I got a target on my back or then I'm this guy, you know, this douchebag that drives around in this really nice car. Right. Cause I had some of those beliefs, you know, at certain phases of like, Oh, this guy's just showing off. Right. Yeah. So I had to get really, really clear with myself. Like, what do I want? What do I want? Why do I want this? Like, what does it make me feel? Am I doing it to look significant? Am I doing it to feel significant? Or, you know, what are the reasons why? And I was doing a lot of really deep personal development work. I've been, I have been for the last few years and and, uh, and I have friends that have some of the cars and I've talked to them about some of the beliefs or the things holding me back or the thoughts or the patterns and, 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 uh, and, and worked through some of that. And I felt like it was coming. Um, but I still had not, you know, I still had not done what I needed to in order to make it happen. And, and then, uh, interestingly enough, Kobe Bryant dies. And when I wake up from a nap, Which was huge, it yeah. was huge. And, and, and to me, I wouldn't have thought it would have been huge. Uh, had you asked me, you know, prior to like what I, what I thought when, when he was playing, I didn't like the guy. Same here, man. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> and and, and j- being a jazz fan, you know, he destroyed us and everything else. Um, but like my persona of him as a person was totally different as he retired basketball. And I started to see interviews and, and see the man behind the, the competitor. I loved the dude. Same I respected experience. the dude. And I, I, anytime I saw he was on something, I was like, I want to watch. He inspired me. And I was like, that's a dude to admire. And so when I found out he died, like I woke up from a nap and it was on the news and I was like, oh my gosh. And I immediately thought he probably had a list of things that he was going to do when he was done playing basketball. His beautiful girls, his wife, the time, because you look at how much work he put into his oh, craft. Yeah. It's like he, he, he sacrificed things. And I, I immediately thought about this Lamborghini. And I was like, man, this guy has like, he's put all this off. And now he's gone. And there's probably a list of things he doesn't get to do. You are not guaranteed tomorrow, Jeremy. You promised yourself you would do this, and you need to show yourself that you're going to keep that promise. Forget about all these other fears, all these other worries, or all these other doubts. Like, you are not promised tomorrow. And, um, and it hit me really, really hard. And so I literally got online that night, and I started looking up. And I've always loved the color black. I have three other cars, they're black. Um, but it's kind of fitting that I found a matte black Lamborghini because black Mamba died. And, uh, I, I made a spreadsheet. I found all the locations of the ones, you know, uh, that, that fit. I called my friend who had a, a dealership. He, he reached out to these different ones. He got a wholesale price and we put that thing on a shipping container, uh, within the week, um, from when that happened. And then I, you know, a couple of days before it came, I told my wife that I bought it <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was completely supportive. But yeah, that, that was the, that was everything leading up to it. And that was the, what caused me to pull the trigger. Man, there's a lot of depth behind that, man. I mm-hmm. appreciate you sharing that. Um, I kind of already knew that cause I had read uh, your piece online. Um, but I, I, I think there's a, a lot of knowledge dropped there. Um, maybe the last story that we could wrap up with is, uh, 
this viral news story that that uh, not only was viral locally, but it it, it was making waves uh, around the world. I saw mm-hmm. that someone made a comic book strip of it mm-hmm. uh, in Japan or something, yeah. and yep. and so the, the, the it's it's based around there was a news story up in Ogden, which is. I don't know, like an hour north of, of where we're at. We're in Utah mm-hmm. County right now. Little five-year-old kid, his sister's babysitting him. He he uh, somehow knows how to start a car and, and drive it at five years old, leaves his house, gets onto I-15, uh, gets pulled over by a cop, and, and his response was he was going to California to buy a Lamborghini. And uh, and it was shared. The story alone was viral itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was it was a, a cute story. I know there's, and we'll probably talk a little bit about some of the the back and forth and in, in, in how people viewed the story. Um, but then it resurfaced shortly after because you had reached out um, through some of the news outlets to get get this kid's information and uh, essentially kind of um, have his dream kind of come true in in getting into a Lamborghini and you gave him a ride. Um, what was your thought process behind that? And then, and then we'll get into kind of how people reacted, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first, I, I mean, I didn't see the news article originally, but a friend sent me, you know, a few people that actually ended up sending it to me, but the first friend that sent it to me said, Hey, I could see you doing something like this. And I just saw the title as like five-year-old boy steals family car <laughs> and, uh, to go buy a Lamborghini and, and, uh, and I chuckled and I'm like, Hey, look, I was 12 years old when I first took my parents' car. This kid's got me by half and then some, and he wasn't just going for a joyride. He was, or a dare. He was like going after his dream. <laughs> and so, you know, it hit me and I was like, wow, I'm glad he's okay. That's an, that's an intense story at the same time. Like this kid knows what he wants and he was going after it. That's inspiring to me. And by the way, he wants a Lamborghini. Yeah, me too. And, and I happen to have one. I understand the the dream. And, and I was like, that would be really cool to take this kid for a ride. They've probably had a rough couple of days. So I, you know, I, I just read the article. I was laying in bed. I, I opened up the article. I found the editor who had, who had posted it, and, and I sent an email and just said, hey, I, I've got a Lamborghini. I'd love to take uh, little Adrian, the five-year-old, uh, on a ride if his parents will agree. Can you put me in contact with them? And, uh, and then I, I finished that, and I was like, well, they might not. The editor might not respond, so I'll just go to KSL, where the article had come, and, and just send them one as well and see so there's more eyes on it. I, I want to find this kid. So I sent another email. The next morning, I get a call from uh, the talk radio saying, hey, can we have you on in 30 minutes on the talk radio and talk about why you want to do it? I was like, yeah, did you get me in contact with the family? Like, not yet, but if you come on the talk radio, that'll probably help, whatever. I'm like, cool. So I went on the talk radio. I talked about it. I made a plea for, like, getting me in touch with the family uh, if they're open to it. And uh, it wasn't, you know, a couple hours after that, I got a call saying, hey, this is so-and-so from, you know, the, the news outlet. We got to touch the family. They're open to it. When, when, would you, when would you be willing to do it? I said, I'd come right now. And they're like, okay. I'm like, I live about an hour and 20 minutes away. Uh, could you see if they're okay with that? They said, they're, they're, I'm here with them. They said, that's fine. So I flew up to the house. Um, and, uh, and when I pulled up, there was uh, 50 people there, uh, <laughs> aunts, uncles, grandparents, siblings, cousins. So they were all excited too. And, and little Adrian was just elated. The kid was jumping up and down. He was smiling from ear to ear, uh, like a dream come true. And so we turned around and got out of the car. He ran up, he gave me a big hug, told him I was glad he was okay. And, and, uh, and we went for a ride. Um, it was, uh, it was fun. We, we ended up actually doing a ride with him, uh, I think I took 12 or 13 people for a ride. The whole family was excited. They all got a benefit, and Adrian came along for, for each one of them. But, um, 
yeah, the, he was super happy. His parents had, had, you know, obviously taught him some of the lessons and, and they were worried and they had, they'd gotten a lot of hate mail and things like that yeah. leading up to it. But this was a light for them. And I just wanted to show the kid, like, your dream is closer than you think. Bring it closer to him. Um, celebrate his entrepreneurial spirit. The kid, as we spoke earlier in here, he knew what he wanted. Yep. He was focused on what he wanted. And the obstacles that stood in the way, th- like, they were nothing to him. And that's, yep. that's the real successful principles. And so I'm like, I want to recognize those. And so he knew what he wanted. He went after it. He didn't have all the skill sets. He didn't have the know-how. Yeah. He, he grabbed $3 off the counter thinking that's going to get him the Lamborghini. Yeah. Waited till his parents were gone. Sister was asleep. And, you know, the kid was going 32 on the freeway when, yeah. when, when, the, when the police pulled him over in a 65-mile-hour speed limit. He's, he could only go 32 because that's as far as his foot would reach forward. <laughs> but the seat all the way moved forward. And so, I mean, he went after what he wanted. He knew what he wanted. And he wasn't letting anybody else tell him that. That it wasn't possible, and Dude, that was inspiring. I love that, man. There was a there was a, a lot of the, you know, I mean negativity, and and I know that the family got some backlash. And you know, I mean, why are we rewarding this kid? And I thought I I, I saw on the news you, you when you were interviewed, you had mentioned, um, you mean that he displayed some principles of success, and I mm-hmm. think that's uh, spoken from a true entrepreneur that you have to have an eye for that when you see, mm-hmm. hey, a lot of kids are a lot of people are seeing. I mean, he took a car and, and put other people's lives at, at, at risk. Yes, that's a thing, and, and I'm not trying to diminish that, and I don't think you were um, at all. You know what I mean? And it's, you know what I mean? There is some safety things that needed to be learned, um, but there was a, there's a positive side to it, and mm. and I think um, and I think it, uh, an entrepreneurial eye for sure to to kind of catch like you know what I mean? Kind of the parallels between the decision that this kid made and, and you mean tying it in, I think maybe this is an appropriate um, way to maybe wrap this up because it, it does kind of tie into uh, everything that we talked about. If you're scared, he didn't, he didn't have all the answers. He didn't have, he wasn't technically tall enough. He didn't, if you're a uh, young entrepreneur or older, I don't care. And, and, and you uh, want to want to get after it and, and start your business. You have this idea uh, I think the message behind it is is go out and do it. Find the answers. You probably don't have the answers. Mm. That it's all good, man. Like, yep. Just just chase it. Some one hundred. Um. Uh. Just just lastly, I think the the last question that I think I want to end on, and I feel like it's appropriate too, is um given everything the crazy Lamborghini stories, the 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 bootstrapping time in the beginning partnering and, and growing and, and exiting uh, everything and just jumbled as one. However you take the question, uh, what are you most grateful for today uh, and looking back on, on all of this, this, this journey as an entrepreneur, business person? Yeah, um, learning. Uh, I'm grateful for all the learning. I'm, le- I'm grateful for all the experiences that I had that caused me to learn the good, the bad, the ugly, the the tears, the the, the not fun stuff. I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn. Um, I feel like I'm much more well equipped to to take on anything in life because of those experiences that I had, and they wouldn't have come had I been scared or let fear drive me or if I hadn't allowed myself to fail. And I don't believe in failure. I believe that there's you only fail when you quit. There's only learning. And so for me, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all of the learning, um, that I've had throughout, you know, all of the, all the years, the things that will help support me to be the best version of myself as I continue to carry on. Um, you know, uh, 
I'm, there's, there's a number of things that I'm grateful for, and I, I don't think I could narrow it down to just one, but I, 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 that's the first thing that comes to my mind. People is, is number two. I've always had a love for people. I love being around people. Um, I love being supported by people and having experiences with people. And, and um, uh, the road to um, success, however you define it, um, as an entrepreneur, goes through people. It shows up and things come to, come to life through other people. And so I'm grateful for those that have supported me um, and that uh, took the journey with me and the people that linked arms with me. Um, I'm grateful for the people that challenged me to be better. And so, yeah, learning in people has been one of the greatest blessings for me as an entrepreneur throughout, throughout the years uh, in business. Jeremy Nevis, man. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Glad, glad to do it with you, brother. All right, man.